0: Okay, then Mauro, thanks ever so much for, for agreeing to join me on the Work in Progress podcast.
1: Yeah, Dean, thanks for having me here.
0: And I understand that you're in the sunny part of Spain, but it's not quite that sunny right now.
1: No, actually today was a little bit colder, but in general, it's still good. Like when the sun is here, you can go for a swim at yeah lunchtime
0: So you haven't, in you haven't December. Thought, so you haven't thought about moving in the winter to so a more sunny climate? <laughs>
1: No, no, that's why yeah. I moved here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, the the reason I was really keen to catch up with you is because you talk about a lot of topics online, which are, are quite close to my interests, quite close to my heart. In in years long ago, I trained as a personal trainer, and I don't want to say I was sort of um, disenchanted by the industry, but I didn't get what I wanted from it. And there was lots of topics which I found that weren't fully explained in the course, and there's lots of areas of it which I think. Are quite important really to getting results and i've been following you online and you talk quite a lot about some of those areas which got a lot of my attention you know things like uh, internal biochemistry and your mindset and, and getting things just right so that you can get the optimal results because in a weird way the exercises are the exercises right they're not that complicated and if and all you got to do is lift push pull, exert a bit of energy and that basically is exercise right however there's a whole other myriad of things which determines whether or not you get a result, and and these are the things that you talk a lot about, and I, and I think, I think require a lot more attention. So I was keen to get you on to to share some of that. So, I guess for everyone who's never heard of the man that is Mauro, um, who are you in your own words, and how did you get into the fitness industry?
1: Yeah, sure. So I've been coaching for the last five and a half years. And just like you, I started out as a personal trainer, more as a side thing. Like I was in banking for also five and a half years. So at the same time as I run my business now, which is funny. And uh, yeah, I was in banking. So that's like the real background and was working like middle-aged guys, executives, CEOs, project managers, and yeah, just guys mostly in their thirties, forties, fifties, and it was always about, you know, um, wealth, status, leadership, all these things that didn't mean that much to me back then. And all I cared about was lifting weights, lifting weights. So as I transformed myself, and started to see great results, people reached out to me privately from work, you know, around the corner, and they said, Hey, can you help me? And this is where things kicked off. And fast forward, I was you know, coaching them, giving them advice, working out with them offline uh, in person, uh, at the gym in terms of personal training, but also in terms of nutrition, a little bit more like via email and these old spreadsheets <laughs> that we used to have. And then I wanted to take things online. I was like, okay, I can't really serve or help someone just in person. Like that's too little because. One hour at the gym or 30 minutes at the gym, like that's two to 40% of your day. What about the other 95%, right? This is th- this happens not at the gym and this is where actually results are driven. So I want to push things online and with banking, with personal training and with the online business, there was just so much on my plate that I neglected myself. Now I asked the guy that uh, was chasing wealth. And he gave up my health in the process until my health became the bottleneck. I started to become fat, which is the worst thing you can be as a personal trainer or as a fitness coach, Uh, you know, in terms of integrity, uh, congruency. Yeah, just trust your own clients. Uh, I had heart issues, burnout, chronic stress, like all the things that come with it that so many guys in business I have and also woman if, you know, They're listening to this podcast. And once I fixed it, I really found, okay, um, here's an opportunity for me to lead guys just like me that I was actually working with in banking and help them fix what I was going through and what requires way more than just some training or some meal plan. And this is ultimately where I am today. And yes, so a lot of people use the, the phrase, I turn my mess into my message or my pain into my story, my pain into the solution, I fill the gap. And I would say I've done the same or a similar thing.
0: I've never heard that before. My mess into my message. I like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's mine now. I'm going to write that one down. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> at some point. But Yeah, Absolutely. You have to find a story where you can relate to your audience, so to speak. And I, one of my challenges, I suppose with the whole personal training industry, you know, and, and there are some fantastic coaches out there, so I'm definitely not knocking the industry. But I found that there were a lot of trainers out there that have just always been in great shape. You know, at school, they were, you know, captains of the team. They've always been ripped. They've always had time for sports. They, they love sports so much, they made it their career. And now they've, like, they've always been in great shape, right? And, and I guess with the body, there's a lot of, we call it muscle memory and things like that, but if the body's only ever known being in great shape, it's almost hard not to be right, and when you're dealing with a client, so to speak, who maybe has worked 50 hour a fifty-hour week, they've got burnout, you know, they got they're um, they're stressed to the hills. They've got a family, they've got a lack of time. How do you then translate? I've never had any of those problems. Into this is how I can help you. In a weird way, we almost have to go through that journey as coaches and trainers in order to be able to relate to the audience. So it's interesting that. That you kind of hit that point yourself where, where your health was deteriorating through, you know, your quest for business. And then you're like, Oh, actually, now you can see the other side of it, if that makes sense. Because like you say, a lot of the tactics that you can give someone who's fit and healthy, you can't necessarily give to someone who's not quite at that point. You know, I've I've seen people with, um, digestive issues and then the personal trainer goes straight on to giving them nine meals a day, uh, you know, to try and get ripped and all things like that. Or there'll be someone who's really, deconditioned and out of shape and they'll just go straight into like intense beastings it's like whoa 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 like you know you you wouldn't get an old car out of the you 20 know, year old car out of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and red line it something would blow something would break <laughs> you know you've got to get things finely tuned before you you put your foot to the floor and I guess this is the side of it which is not that well understood but it sounds like um you know you've got quite a good grasp on this from your own personal experience but also all the material you've studied.
1: Yeah, like, you know, um, I believe it was Scott Oldford. I'm not sure if, are you familiar with him?
0: No, I'm not.
1: Yeah. He made once a great post about the difference between coaching, mentoring, consulting, and even more like advisorship. And that really stood out to me because a lot of people in the industry are like trainers or coaches, and not just you know, in fitness and in business and relationship. And the coach role is basically asking questions. That's it. Why are you here? Like just questions that you come to your own conclusion. And, you know, connecting that to what you said with, I've been a true, I've been through it myself, what I'm actually helping clients with or guys with, um, is more of a mentorship role means I've been through it. So not only can I coach you, but I can mentor you, showing you, hey, look, I was there as well with eight hour work weeks and five hours of sleep. Here's the first thing I did. Here's the second thing. Not just do this, this, this. Here's what science says. Like, I don't give a shit what science says. Uh, And sorry for swearing here. (laughs) Hope that's okay on your podcast. Um, Yeah, it's it's like, it, it doesn't matter what science says ultimately, what matters is what your schedule says, right? Science says the best time to work out is around uh, three to five or three to six, right? I'm I'm not sure an exact number, but it's in the afternoon, right? And that doesn't matter if I can't, like, I can't work out at that time. I'm aware of it, but I can't. Why? It doesn't fit into my schedule. I have to do it in the morning. My afternoons are fully booked every single day. So there's no chance I'm going to, Flip my entire schedule that I get like five per cent more muscle growth and sacrifice the business like it's not gonna happen, and that's what so many people don't see in the industry and i uh I was like that as well as well. I was like, yeah, you have to do this, this 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 it's like no, 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 no no, what do it make would make most sense for Dean, What do it make most sense for James, and that's it, and as long as you can stick to it, and we talked about it before we pressed record like that's all what matters. Like eighty, ninety percent of your results come from consistency. Yeah, we can do, go deep, 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 deep into hormones um, and other stuff. But at the end of the day, like if you just do like very, very basic stuff for the rest of your life, you're ahead of a lot, lot of people, and ultimately ahead of your old self.
0: And I think you made a good point there. It's, it's got to be relevant to the individual. Like it's got to be relevant to their schedule, their needs, their requirements, because. You know, going back to the science, that well, I love science, and if you've got scientific proof, here, it goes a long way. But one of the challenges I find with science is, the science is only good if somebody is funding it, right? And there's not a lot of funding for how to get someone working a fifty-hour week recreationally fit. There, there's, there there isn't a lot of scientific studies on that. I, I find a lot of the studies come from professional sports athletes, and mm-hmm. You're finding all this information about how a professional sports athlete gets to the pinnacle of their career, and it's just not representative of the general population. If that makes sense, like I, I find, I've, I've followed some of the protocols, and it's like you know this much carbohydrate, this much this, this much that. And you think, well, that's fine if my career is five or six hours of intense physical yeah. every, every single day. But I, I sit at a, I sit at a desk for eight hours. I mean, do I really need this much carbohydrate? And do I really need this, much? Like, do I, re- well, there isn't a lot of scientific studies on, on what someone needs to be doing while they're sat at a desk. <laughs> and, and this is part of the challenge I find with the science, because the science generally is taken on, you know, very fit, well-conditioned individuals in an environment which is nothing like the average person. It's certainly not like someone who's, like you say, getting to 40s, 50-year-old, and their whole internal biochemistry is changing as they age. It, there's there's not a lot of science ready for that, or or am I wrong?
1: No, you're right. Like when we look at research, we look at studies. Like a lot of them are done with, like, I mean, yeah, there there's studies done with sanitary people, but it's not focused on like performance and exactly what you said. It's more like, yeah, let me say it like this when they want to have like a bad habit or like bad statistics, they take those guys or those people. And when they have, wanna have the other stuff, as you said, like with cars and stuff, then it's almost always the athletes. Like, yeah, I've seen i I've seen a trend there. It, it ultimately, it's like a, a study. One guy said it once. It's, uh, you know, they, I don't want to uh, sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but, um, he said it's the, the study is good on what, inf- what information it gives you, but it's dangerous on what information it doesn't give you. And I 100% agree with that. Like, who sponsored the study, right? Who's behind it? Like, if you look at testosterone optimization therapy, TRT, all the studies, right, done by big pharma show nothing with heart. Um issues like heart attacks and just heart problems, nothing. All the studies done by non-Big Pharma show there's issue there. So, is this coincidence? I'll leave it up to your listeners, right? Everyone should ask these questions. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to push a narrative here, but I just want to say, hey, these are the facts. The studies done by these guys here just come to this uh, experiment or this result and the studies done by the other guys come to this result. So could there be a, uh, a conflict of interest? Right? So <laughs> and saying, and that's just one topic. there's so many.
0: Whenever it comes to science, it's always a case of follow the money. And like you say, we, we, we don't want to get involved in conspiracy theories or, su- or suggest hidden agendas and all these things. But, but it's relative to, to the specific um, experiment that's taken place, right? And if you're dealing mm-hmm. with professional rugby players that have got a maintained size and they've got a competitive season and they're training for twenty, thirty hours a week, then let's it, it doesn't take a genius to work out they're gonna to have to eat a lot more than the average guy. And then if mm-hmm. the average guy then tries to eat in to keep up with those guys, they're just gonna turn into a fat blimp because we're not we're not matching their level of output of exercise. So this is where I kind of find it very difficult to for people to get the information they need, if that makes sense. You know, like we're all brought up on that breakfast is the the most important meal of the day and we've got to fuel up for our day. And whenever it comes to well, how do you get fit? Like we, we like you live in Marbella, but we have this saying in England which is no carbs before marbs So when, when whenever anyone's getting ready to go on their holiday, they just like go on hard, low carb. So um but that's just like, well what do you do when you lose weight? Is it paleo? Is it go vegan? Is it cut out meat, should we go Atkins? well, should we not do any of that? should we go keto should how long can you keep keto for? Do you do keto for a season? is it a lifestyle? you know do you do it while you lift do you do and there's about a million different I say fads and different things, and no one really knows what the right thing is so they're kind of dipping in out of one dipping out another, and the fear is are we just cementing further and further metabolic damage each time we chop and change and and, and where do we go so I guess if I was asking on behalf of the listeners listening, going, right, it sounds like Mauro knows what he's talking about. However, I don't know what Mauro knows. <laughs> so if I'm just starting out, is is there a common place where people should start? Is it a case of just, just get moving first? Or should people look at their diet first? Or do you have any tips maybe for people who are just basically confused and just don't know where to, to kick off first?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say like... You know, if someone really wants just to start with, start making, you know, lifestyle changes, first of all, it's all about the long run, right? I like to tell all my clients, and, you know, I always tell them, hey, ask yourself this question Can I do what I'm doing right now for the next 20, 30 years? If not, then why are you doing it? Like, you're just going to fall back into old habits, you're going to gain back the weight, you know, it's not going to work. So that's the first thing. Every action step you do, Is that something you say, wow, that's sustainable or not, right? Like there's this 75 hard thing from Andy Frisella and you work out two times a day. It's like, brilliant. How long can you work out two times a day? I know nobody that works out twice a day, every day, not even uh, some, you know, guys that compete in bodybuilding. So uh, if you can do that, brilliant, do it. But as I said, (laughs) I've I've never met someone who can do it. So mad respect to everyone. Sorry? I've seen that
0: challenge as well and i I think he sort of kind of pitches it as a mindset challenge, like say almost beast yourself, just make yourself do it, isn't it? And yeah, mm-hmm. great, if like you said, if you're trying to get mental toughness and resilience, that's the challenge to do, right? But then as you're probably more familiar with with some of your clients, some of these people are dealing with adrenal fatigue. So the, the problem isn't always that they're not doing enough, it's that they're just doing too much of the wrong stuff and their lifestyle's just not in balance, right? You know, like we all know that you damage yourself in exercise and it's the restoration that builds you stronger. Well, mm-hmm. what point are you restoring yourself if you're working out twice a day and, and doing some insane challenge, which is taking <laughs> every spare moment of your life just to try and fit all the steps in? We, you, you know, you, is, is your sleeping correct? Are you actually resting? Are you actually doing restorative uh, practices? So these are the bits that you probably know much more about than I do, but just by default, 75 hard, says there's 150 workouts in those 75 days by by virtue of doing it twice a day. That's a lot to recover from, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the issue most people don't see, and especially, and and I agree, he said it's for mental toughness, but a lot of people use it for weight loss, which is the worst thing you can do if you do, because, again, it's not sustainable. Yeah, for mental toughness, it's good. But, um, and the point that I'm trying to make here is a lot of um, a lot of people in this audience, especially men, are like business owners or business people. And what most people don't understand is you can, as a business owner, have the same plan as someone, you know, in their 20s or 30s. And not just because time-wise, because of your nervous system, right? You have a lot of mental and even emotional stress, right? That's all pushing your nervous system. Now, if you go work out twice a day, and you do all these crazy things, like, you, you're just going to kill yourself, literally, like, you know, you're not going to get the recovery you need, and you're going to get sick, right? Uh, resting heart rate is going to go up, heart rate um, variability is going to go down, and deep sleep is going to go down, typically, these are like the three signs that you can predict that you get sick. Uh, I'm doing some studies and research here, uh, very, very interesting. And typically you can see that every single time, like you overtrain, and then it happens. And overtrain doesn't mean just working out twice a week, uh, twice a day. It can be working out four times a week. Like, let me give you an example. I've got so many, you know, with calls and stuff that I got to do. Um, if I work out four to five times a week, I burn myself out and get sick. So, uh, three is like limit for me. Oh, wow. Right? That's that's interesting because because I to, my training is very intensive. I used and... to trainers who kind of were overtraining is a myth.
0: I, I know a lot of personal trainers who say that, and they say <laughs> is something that professional athletes have to deal with, but recreational athletes they'll never have to worry about overtraining. And I, and I've heard that say so many times that I do think that people have kind of got to the point where you know if they can't manage their three, four, five workouts a week, then they're just mentally weak. But you're you're saying actually there's a genuine truth in the fact that recreational athletes can overtrain on just four sessions in a week.
1: Yeah, well, it's, you know, I get where they're coming from, from a physical perspective. It's like, yeah, but your lifestyle is just eating, sleeping and working out. That's it. But if you've got like, you know, today I onboarded uh, guy, he has like three young kids, he runs two businesses like that guy you put him six times a week into the gym like gonna be horrible for his nervous system so way way too much and yeah then you can overtrain, not because of the workouts themselves typically but more what happens aside from working out in your life and most athletes yeah they just you know work out and rest and sit around but if you've got all that stress and what is all this pumped out? Like, there's so much going on. Yeah, like people. Th- th- that's what they they don't see. That's why lifestyle is so much more important than all the yeah little little studies that we can come up with. And not that that I'm against science. I'm pro science. Like, I want to have it backed up. But it's like, yeah, science says you can't overtrain, but show me the study. Yeah, professional athletes in their twenties. How does their lifestyle look like? Okay, give me twenty business business owners in their fifties. Right. Let's do the study again. Let's see what results we got here. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. And if their if their diet's dialed in, if their internal hormones mm-hmm. are on point, yeah, yeah, then of course they're in a much better place. But also, professional athletes—they're wise to this stuff. They they plan in regular massages, regular treatments, like they they literally plan in rest as almost part of their exercise calendar, not they? They'll they <coughs> the and and they'll just chill out <laughs> because it is part of their week. To chill out is part of the requirement of being an athlete is that you recover. That's how, that's how it works, right? <laughs> and they'll you know, cycle their season in accordance with all of their, you know, their, their key events to make sure that they're at their peak at the right time. But then also they know that they, you can't stay at your peak. So they know that there's a down cycle where they, where they dial it down, build it back up again. And most recreational athletes, it's, we're, we're kind of focused on that mindset that you've got to go. A little bit better than last week but like you say at some point there comes a point where you can't always be better better but it's got to dial in at some point and I guess it's having that mindset that that's okay and I think that's what you touched on at the start where you've got to think about things for the long term opposed to the short term because and you probably noticed it with the clients you work with you work with a lot of business people a lot of entrepreneurs and they're, they're probably a type personalities go getters I want a result I want to win but you know that how, how am I going to hit the, the goal? And the idea of well, you've got to kind of chill out so that you can, you know, take a step backwards so that you can take two steps forward. I'm I'm imagining that probably takes a bit of explaining at first, does it? Like right? they, they 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 probably don't want to take their foot off the gas.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. It's uh, and you know, a lot of people have unrealistic expectations with all the thirty pounds in thirty days and all these promises and diets and stuff. And yeah, like some people even try to under eat when I, when I give them like their targets, for example, in ter- terms of calories and macros. And, you know, we had this conversation too, I think on Facebook that it goes way deeper into that than just that. But if we talk for about that for just a moment, they look at it and like way, that's way too much. Like, are you sure? I'm like, Hey man, like I've been doing this for years. Like it works, trust the process. And then sometimes they can be still a little bit skeptical and they try to under eat and say, Oh, look how fast I lose weight. It's like, yeah, but it's not going to hold on the long run. So stick to the process. And the process is slowly it's boring and you have to do the same thing over and over again. You have to track, you have to work out, right? It's not like, Oh, if you do this, this and yeah, sometimes I have to push them back. Like, Hey, Listen, this is how it works. And, uh, we can't, like, I have a guy, he wants to lose over 100 pounds, right? Um, you can't, I mean, everyone has their own approach, right? But I've just found you can't lose the hundred pounds in one go. Like, you have to, like, make a sandwich, right? Or like a cake. First 20 or 30, let's do a diet break. Let's see how you feel after that. Okay. Do you feel you want to go another round? Yes. Another round? Yes. Another round? Yes. If you try a hundred in a row, like you're going to destroy yourself. Not physically necessary. I've actually just had a chat yesterday with the PhD, uh, super, super smart guy. And he said, not really in terms of metabolism, like very, very, very little, but mentally after six, seven months of being, you know, in a deficit and just dieting, like, People won't track and won't do the work and won't be honest with themselves and with you as they were in day one. So if you give them that break and structure it up and tell them, hey, 100 pounds, that's going to take you two years. It's not sexy and maybe, you know, we're never going to work together. That's fine. You can go type the diets and stuff. But when you're ready for realistic results, this is how long it takes. Like not in one shot, but, um, you know. 30 pounds here break 20 pounds here break 20 break 20 break and then you'll get there but then you'll keep it otherwise yeah so and especially when they're like type a go-getters hungry for success they they want to scale and scale their business um, I, yeah I can tell you the more successful they are in business uh, sometimes the worse <laughs> the attitude is in fitness I'm not judging or blaming anyone here it's just like oh I, they, they want to apply the same mindset they had like, or they have in their business. Yeah, what you want. What exactly. And it's like with like fitness, it's actually the opposite. Like, let's take a step back and it it, it won't go so fast. Like, it, it just won't go so fast. You, you mentioned that has made me think of two questions. Now, I'll, I'll mention,
0: <laughs> trying not to forget the other one, but you mentioned, like, um, if you lose 100 pounds in one go, like, it's probably not going to work. And it made me think. It, we used to talk about this thing where, like, the body's in homeostasis, right? The body, the body doesn't want to change, and the body kind of has a set point. So there was this theory, and I say a theory because I don't know how much hard science there is on it. But there's a theory that if you're a three hundred pound man, that the body's kind of used to being three hundred pounds, and then as you kind of pull away and go down, the body is almost trying to get you back there. So you're almost fighting against your body to retain. uh homeostasis retain what's normal if that makes sense and and i guess the the theory goes that if you do it uh, dramatically and drastically then the body hasn't had enough time to adapt to the new normal therefore it's just an elastic band ping you back and and also Mm. that that ping back can be even worse It, it can almost then you end up being a 350 pound man instead of like all the weight you lost if that makes sense so sometimes and this was the theory we often talked about was if you do it gradually and there's always this thing like two pounds a week, like it's always going to be linear, right? But it's, it's not always linear. There's another little tip top secret, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but obviously we're trained to think linear, aren't we? But the idea is if you do it gradually, then the body gets used to actually, this is, this is real. This is who I am. And then you haven't got to fight so hard against yourself, um, to maintain it. Would you say there's truth in that or, cause it was always kind of a theory, but I, I never knew if it was a correct one or if it was just sort of what we sort of believed, if that makes sense.
1: <coughs> yeah, well, it's less about the physiology or biology. It's more mentalized and from an identity standpoint. No, like, the, the longer you've been living that identity, the harder it is to get out. That's why people say, like, yeah, I'll do it later. It's like, you can do it later, right? I'm not here to decide what your priorities are, but just know 20 years of a bad habit, oof, like that's those are some deep roots and what you said makes perfect sense it's exactly that it's you can see yourself as the fat kid or the athlete right and you can go down 50 pounds 100 pounds 20 pounds but if you see yourself as the fat kid you'll always make fat kid choices right and you want to see yourself as the athlete and i'm not talking about some visualization or anything like that but it's really how you see yourself and what habits you have and Unless that shifted, you're always going to fall back into those old habits. has nothing to do with your hormones and all that stuff that, uh, you know, that people say like, oh, that's the fault. No, it's really, um, how you see yourself and how you identify yourself with in the first place. Yes, hormones and all that stuff play a role, but first thing is really the mind and that tries to trick, trick you in. Like, let's go back. And I see it a lot of times, like, especially for people who are obese, that's like a never ending cycle that it just never stops and never stops and never stops. Um, in, in terms of, uh, you know, lose weight, regain it, lose weight, regain it, lose weight, regain it. And it's really the, yeah, it's, it's really the mind that, uh, puts those things in. But as you said, if you do it slowly, Right and you 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 make it as if it wouldn't be a change, that's when you can stick to it. So you're kinda almost like silently going away from that identity and it's good for your body to change. Like if I tell you how to do one push up and tomorrow two and tomorrow three and you know, you build it up easy and you won't even notice the difference. But if I say one and then five hundred, it's like, ah oh, right? Yeah. So there's that resistance and wanna we want to kind of flee from that resistance we don't want to challenge it there's no way we can we can win that battle it's like holding your breath on the water like at some point oh you got to go out and get some air
0: you're, you're speaking my language now because it's all like in the subconscious is like the belief systems of who we are isn't it we create our own self-image so to speak and it could be so subtle that we don't realize it's happening like we can almost think it's not my fault it's the my my physiology is pulling it back in, but I suppose the belief system is that strong, isn't it? It's it's that strong that it wants to sort of basically manifest who you are. And and it sounds like the way you work, you you get quite heavily into the mindset because you know when you go to a personal trainer and you go, I want abs or I want bigger muscles or I want to lose a hundred pounds, it's easier to think of the goal outside of yourself. Like like you won't change, you'll just be a hundred pound lighter. But the truth is. The goal is a manifestation of who you become. You have to become Mm -hmm. the athlete to be the athlete. And Mm -hmm. one of the challenges I always had when I sort of first went into the personal training industry was people kind of wanted to change without changing. It's like, I don't want to change as a person. I just want to look better naked. And it's like, yeah, but in order to to be that person, you've got to change. And it's not just about changing your body. You've got to change. Your mind's got to change. And people are like, oh, no, no, I don't want to change. I want to be just who I am. I want to do all the things that I do right now. I just want to be rich. <laughs> I just want to look like a cover model. That's the only difference I want. Is that you know what, There has to be other changes in order for you to achieve that. And, and the way you described it there made me think about, then in the UK we have the lottery, which we probably have in Spain as well. And, mm-hmm. and quite commonly, people become millionaires overnight. And if they don't change their thinking, they just lose it all. Because you're thinking in terms of how much money you make, It's just the same, I guess, with your body. Like, you have like a set point, which is kind of where your self-image is. And if you pull away from it too fast, you're going to think, well, there's something wrong here because I know I want to be lean. I want to have abs, but it's just not me. And then you just kind of pull yourself back to being the old couch potato again. You know, like, I I like the idea of having a Ferrari and a villa and all this money, but it's just not me. And then you kind of blow the money. So it, it sounds like you're battling against that as well.
1: Yeah, I had a chat yesterday with uh, with really, really sharp guy. He's, he's a mindset coach for, I think, over 20, 25 years. And we talked about, because, you know, I want to make my program even better. And I want to get him on that he does some guest trainings in there in terms of mindset and really going deep, deep into the belief system. And he said, you know, he's happy to do that. And he believes it will help. But, and I really appreciate it when he said that, he said, but here's the but, and he wants to be fully transparent. He He told me, someone can work with me for five years, like daily accountability, everything. We work on the mindset, everything. They can stop. Typically that doesn't happen if it's five years, but they can stop. If they still see themselves as a fat person inside of their mind or as a poor person, right, just for me, it's fitness, obviously, that's why fat, six months later, they will gain it all back. So, and I told him, well, how can we change that? And he's like, well, you can with strategies and you know tactics and philosophies, but ultimately, unless they really, really want it bad enough that they would do that internal work. Nothing's gonna change. So it's like wow, like all the tactics and strategies will never work if the person really deep inside doesn't say, Wow, I love this, I wanna do this for the rest of my life. And you know, the the strategy will play a role if they wanna continue it, but ultimately it's more like the desire. Like we in marketing they say, uh you can't create desire and it's true. Like if, if you don't want it, like I can give you everything you need and really force the mindset in you at some point it's like, I don't want it. Like I prefer to eat cake, right? Like it's like the pleasure and being in pain and if you don't want it, you don't want it and you'll fall back. So and no, he's seen so cool. it for he, himself, like uh because he started out um in relationship coaching and he he saw like um people would be like for you know would do all these things and then before the marriage they would cheat right it's like well you did everything so good for years and then the moment before it's like they they just cheat and everything and even if even though they hired a coach and all that stuff and it's like unless they want it um sometimes you just can't change people that doesn't mean coaching doesn't help but it's like it's it's a two-way commitment
0: yeah, but you hope that coaching makes them want to change. Cause like you say, the result is just the reward for who you become in the process. And it sounds really cheesy and it sounds really cliche, but it it is the truth. And, and the way you just mentioned that then, cause I work in sales, my career is, is a salesperson. And as soon as you go to any party or anywhere and you say, I work in sales, everyone says the same thing. So, ah, sell me this pen, you know, <laughs> I like, and, and like you say, like, People have this belief that if you're good at sales, you can sell anything to anyone. But the truth is, you know, you have to locate the desire, right? So either you find the people who want it or you have to try and convince someone they want it. And it's actually very hard to do the latter. Mm -hmm. It's about finding people who want it and then connecting problems with solutions. So so the right answer to sell me this pen is, why do you want a pen? (laughs) Because until they have a reason to want it, you can't sell it to them. Yeah, I agree. And, and this is the, the, misconception of sales. They're like, oh, if I just like make this pen so amazing and beautiful, they're just going to fall off their seats to buy it. Well, yeah, if they will, if they want a pen, yeah. But if they don't actually want the pen. And, and this is part of the challenge as, as, as you kind of beautifully elaborated on. People come to the gym and say, I want this goal. And as a case of, okay, if you want this goal, this is who you're going to have to become in the process. And it's like, well, I don't want to become that person. <laughs> I just want the goal. And I was like, well, I can't just give it to you. I can't just pull it off the shelf and hand it to you. But nobody can do your own press-ups for you. You have to do the press-ups. Um, and that has to come from your own internal motivation to, to change. So so I guess, you know, we, we're running tight on time. uh And it's probably a good place to wrap up because if we start deep diving into the, the hormones and some of the training strategies, that's that's almost another call entirely. You know, and I don't, yeah, want, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to open a, a rabbit hole of ideas. Uh, now, because otherwise we, we'll end up in half in one and half in another. I think. So, if someone is listening to this right now, they know that they um they want to change. Like maybe it's aspirational to be, you know, bigger, beautiful, more abs, more physique, more, you know, more definition. Or maybe it's the other side of the coin. They think, well, they've just let themselves go, and 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 they want to lose the belly, and they want to get in shape, and maybe they want to be fit for their children. What would be what would be the, your tip for them in terms of sort of preparing them for for what's to come? Because it's like you say, you sound like you, you to go quite deep into it. It's not about the nutrition and the training. It's about, well, are you ready for a coach? So are there any questions that you get them to ask themselves to think, well, are you ready for this? Is that Have you got any tips for those sort of people to, to give themselves a check?
1: Uh, you mean like a readiness checklist?
0: Yeah, almost like. Are you ready for a coach? I have this theory sometimes that people aren't actually ready for a coach, you know, and they they sign up for a coach. And as you say, the coach gives them everything they need. And they're like, what do I do with that? It's like, well, this is what you pay for. This is the plan. This is the information you wanted. And they're almost not ready for it. So I don't know if there's any questions where you can sort of say to them, have a good think before you come and get a a top quality coach, if that makes sense. Because Mm, are you? I see. Are you really aware of the journey you're about to embark on? I don't know if I'm making sense.
1: Yeah, no, no, 100%. It's actually a very, very good question. Gets me thinking right now. Uh, I believe, you know, one question is obviously goes less into mindset, more about the values. Like, do you value time or money more? And both is fine, right? And if people say, like, I value time more, that it might make sense to get someone to have, you know, everything outlined for them, whether it's in sales, what you do, or fitness, a relationship, like, yeah, value time, I'm happy to pay money to save time. If it's more money, then that's fine as well, then probably not. Then just try it on your own and it would take longer, but with the right commitment, I believe most people should get there. In terms of readiness, it's really like... I I would make, you know, coaching is not just like, okay, I get coaching and all is the same. Like they're very different approaches. So I I would say, like, what's, what's my commitment that I can make time wise? Um, resource, yeah, resource wise, time wise, money wise. Um, and basically these two things and what am I willing to do? To get the result, right? Like, I, well, I have a guy to give you an example to answer that question properly. He came to me, he's like, Hey, I read your post. I'm ready. I want to do the work. I can commit an hour a day. I can do this, 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 but I will not eat chicken, rice, and broccoli for the rest of my life. If you tell me that, like, I'm not going to do it. And I was like, Well, luckily you didn't have to, right? I'm totally against actually that approach. And then we started working together and, um, it's been a great journey. So, but he had like clear, uh, standards. They said, Hey, these are my non-negotiables. So really get clear first money or time. And then if time, then what are your non-negotiables? Like if, wh- how, how many hours, hour minutes can you commit today? What, what, you know, in terms of foods? and then make a list and you say okay um this is what i have here this is what i can commit and can i do it on my own yes or no if not get support if yes then start doing it and that's it and i believe if you have the commitments down like uh, yeah it, I, I believe that's how i did it when i had my first coach i was like hey money's not the problem i got some savings and i'm 100% ready i want to quit my 9 to 5 but i'm working long hours um, I can commit around one, one and a half hours a day, not more. And I can't post on Facebook. Otherwise they're going to kick me out of the bank. Um, can we work with that? Yes or no? And he's like, yeah. So then when I signed on, it's like, start posting on Facebook. And I was like, well, now we've got the problem. <laughs> um, yeah, yes, but, uh, but, um, ultimately, that, that, sorry.
0: I said, that's a good answer. Like, I didn't mean to buy in because I feel like you, you've got more to say.
1: Yeah, like if I think back, this is how I did it and this is what I would recommend to everyone. Like w- what are you willing to give up and whatnot? And maybe, is there maybe room in between? Like for example, I don't have people give up alcohol like completely, but can we minimize it to like one drink a week? And it's like, mm, okay, I can do that. Brilliant. That's it. Yeah. Typically, I see that they don't want it anymore. Not even once a week. It's like, ah, I don't need it. But what's the minimum you can give up in the beginning? What do you want to keep? And then go to your coach, say, hey, uh, you know, I trust you. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can do. Can this work? Yes or no? And if not, well, are you willing to give up more for the rest of your life? Not for 90 days or stuff because that's not going to work for the rest of your life. And if not, then this just means, okay, the result that you're after isn't just worth for that. That's fine. Um, maybe, yeah, you'll have to do it later. Uh, or maybe you have to rethink if how bad you want it. Right. Like marriage. Are you willing to give up to have like one night stands? No. Well, that's fine, but you don't be do willing.
0: it. Make marriage mm-hmm. you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just be, just be
0: honest with yourself. That's it. So, so what I heard from you saying that was, like, this is what you want. What are you prepared to sacrifice to achieve it? And and I guess be honest with yourself, with yourself, really, because we're, we're all good at lying to ourselves, aren't we? And it's, it's one thing to say I'm prepared to give up money, but that's only part of the equation. You know, there are people who go, well, I'll pay for it, and therefore I've got the result. Well, no, no, you've still got to sacrifice other things. Like the money is just a part of it. And you have to be honest with yourself about what you're really prepared to sacrifice. So that's probably a good place to to end this conversation. Although I'm definitely hoping we can speak to you again if you're open to it, because there was some,
1: there's
0: some other massive topics that I'd love to to blow the lid on and, and and get your ideas on. So for everyone who's maybe only just been exposed to you today, where can they learn more about you or follow what you're you working on? Have you got a website or some social profiles they can they can chase you on?
1: Yeah, Facebook is good. Just Moro Stara and just type it in on Facebook and you will find me there. And this is where I publish my best stuff.
0: That's where I get all the best material. So I'll make sure there's some links as well um, below the podcast. But uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, I feel like I stopped it early, but I just know there's there's, there's a huge wealth of topics there and I want to do each one of them justice. So um, I'm going to bid you a good day and i hopefully catch you very soon.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me here.